We're going to predict 10 years into the future of gaming in this episode of Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Hi everyone, this is John Dotson, and today I'm joined by... Tim. And Travis. And you may not know this, but we recently unlocked latent psychic abilities, and we are here to tell you exactly what's coming to gaming in the next 10 years. But first, we'd like to catch up with each other every month or so on what we've been playing and watching. So, Travis, what have you been playing? So I have been playing a few things, not a ton because I've been getting like super into what I've been playing. So first off, I want to talk about Fallout 76. Uh, the Wastelanders update dropped and added NPCs and whole new quest lines into the Wasteland. And it finally feels like the game that I think it should have been at launch because that depth that you come to expect in a Fallout game just wasn't there. And it's really there now. Like, you've got reputations with factions and everything. But that kind of comes with a downside in that you know, in, in a single player fallout game, once you're done with it, you're kind of done with it. And there's not a ton of end game to do. And in, in fallout 76 before there was kind of a clear end game where you were, you know, basically kind of like a Diablo looter shooter in a way where you're like going after legendary enemies to get legendary gear to upgrade your stuff, then sell stuff that you don't need to other players. And it, it was kind of a nice gameplay loop, but with Wastelanders now the end game is kind of grindy as hell so in order to really get the best stuff like you've got to just keep grinding out these like treasury notes that's what they're called and it kind of sapped the fun away so once I was done with what was really an amazing update I lost the interest to play it at all like I don't want to grind out all this stuff so I've basically stopped playing I check in every now and then uh, I think there's some events coming up soon that I'll play, but uh, yeah, honestly, I I really hope they tweak that end game to make it less of a mindless grind because th- the stuff that you have to do to get the currency for the best items just isn't fun. And even when you do get the stuff, like you can make you can make these armor and weapons, but it's a kind of a random roll as to what you get, so it might not even be what you want. So you're just gonna have to keep repeating that ad nauseum. So. I'm a bit disappointed in that, even if I am kind of in love with what they've done with the overall world. Uh, also, Final Fantasy VII Remake released recently, and I had I pre-ordered it on Amazon. And because of the whole COVID thing, I didn't exactly get it on the release day that they guarantee. But, you know, I can't really fault them for that. But I am not entirely sure what I was expecting from the Final Fantasy VII Remake. But this just blew all my expectations out of the water. Like, it was fantastic. It was everything I wanted out of this and more. I just wish that we got in the full game up all at once instead of having it kind of spaced out. Like, this is just part one. Uh, The rest of it's going to come down. I'm not sure if we even know how many 
parts it's going to be. But the first part of it was... Do you have to buy the rest of the parts, or does it just come as updates to the game? I'm not really sure how they're going to do the that. Pl- I think the plan right now is that each one's going to be sold as a standalone game. Yeah. And so I'm, is it like 60 bucks for the first game? Yeah, but it, like they expanded out so that like, you know, the, the whole game on PS1 was like, I don't know, 100 hours or so. But they expanded out each part and fleshed out and added quests in. So each part is kind of a 60 hour game in and of itself. So it's it's not huh. like you're getting stiffed. You're still getting a full oh, game. Interesting. It's just okay. it's not telling the whole story. But yeah, yeah, everything really clicked for me with this. The the new combat system is pretty fantastic. It's it feels similar to some of the more recent Final Fantasy games, especially 13 with the way you kind of have to stagger the enemies to really do a ton of damage to them, but um I felt like the difficulty was a bit off. Like the easy mode was too easy for me and the normal mode was a bit too hard. I wish there was something in between there. But, you know, maybe I'm just a scrub who needs to get good. But it was it was a lot of fun and I can't wait for more. And because I couldn't wait for more, I finally opened up the still in the plastic copy of Final Fantasy 15 that I had sitting on my shelf. Like the day I bought a PS4, I also bought Final Fantasy 15 and I never opened it like I'd been playing other things. And I am pretty well into it. I mean, I've beaten the game and I'm well into the end game. I'm not sure how much more content I have, but there's a ton of stuff that opens up once you beat the story. And Tim, I know you played this. Did you play the yes. um, the secret dungeon that you have to have the flying car to get to? Yeah, I believe so. It's just like maybe it's just like a an hour puzzle platformer, like no enemies in it whatsoever. Yes, yes, I remember that one. That is so amazing. Like, this yeah, is something like, that I feel what like is it called like Pityos or something like that. Yes, yes, that's it. OK, yes, I did do that one. I'm, I'm kind of sad crap, that, that was tough. <laughs> I know I'm kind of sad that there are going to be people. I probably most of the people who play the game won't even touch that because I feel like they put more work into that dungeon than anything else in the game by far. Just it. It kind of felt like um, some meat boy difficulty and the fact that you keep dying over and over again but you see what you did wrong and it just immediately pops you back in like you don't go through a whole death animation or anything like the rhythm of it it doesn't get really frustrating except for a couple parts i thought there was one cheap jump that should have been addressed and one jump that was kind of mechanically a little wonky but like short of that i had no complaints about it and it probably like i say an hour but it took me way longer than an hour this like the videos that I had to turn to occasionally for some help were about an hour long, but they were cutting together their best runs. So yeah. Wow. It took so long to get through there. I think seven game days had passed before I got out and like (laughs) now I just kind of wish there was more of that three and a half hours to do it. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I just wish there was a game that was nothing but that, like it felt like the breath of the wild temples, but harder and kind of more inventive in a lot of ways but yeah it was also crazy because the rest of the game is very combat intensive and yet there was zero fighting in that temple it was all just puzzles and jumping and you know figuring out how to just navigate this like crazy temple 
Yeah. But it was really cool. Yeah, and and this I, I felt like the combat in fifteen was a bit weird at first, but once you get into the hang of it, it's a really solid battle system. Um not really turn based at all, but you can see the turn based influence and in, like using the menus for items and stuff like that, calling up special abilities. But it it really nailed it for me, like from the like straight out the gate when you realize this is a massive, like one single massive open world, which may have been a response to the criticisms of 13 being a hallway simulator, but <laughs> it, it, they, they kind of nailed everything with this for me. Uh, even the characters, usually every Final Fantasy protagonist has to be like broody and angsty, but it seemed like nobody in this game is is like that. Everybody's kind of cool and personable and well adjusted. And I didn't know that you could make a Final Fantasy like that, so that was nice to see. <laughs> but yeah, that's about all I've been playing. Tim, what have you been playing? All right. So what I've been playing mostly here is uh I've been playing a lot of Borderlands 3. There's a there's a couple of events going on right now. Um, there's a Revenge of the Cartels, which is like a, a free optional dungeon that's, you know, uh, limited time, but it's, it's really fun. It's got like an eighties, like, uh, you know, Miami kind of theme here. Uh, instead of like mountains of cocaine, they have mountains of iridium dust like everywhere. <laughs> and the soundtrack for this one, like the Borderland games haven't really been known for their soundtracks, you know? up until this third game but they really stepped it up for this of like a special event here it's really great i i even listened to the soundtrack while you know while just doing work the other day uh there was also a loot the universe special event that was going on which just ended but basically each week uh they were like they drastically ramped up the drop rates for artifact gear on certain planets. So if you were, you know, doing side quests or missions or even just running around killing stuff on a select world, the art like artifacts were dropping everywhere and it got kind of insane. I took a screenshot of one time where there was like, uh, 20 different artifacts laying on the ground in front of me and my friend when we were playing because we had just cleared out a room of enemies. But um, we got some really, really, really great gear doing that. And um, because of that, we were able to finally push through and finish up the main storyline. Uh, kind of picked up Stardew Valley again. It's been, you know, it's just a nice, relaxing, kind of meditative game to bust out when everything else is kind of stressful and crazy right now. And then kind of like Travis, because of COVID, I got the Final Fantasy VII remake late, but I've been playing that pretty much any chance that I get. I'm having a really great time with it. I love it so much. I was a little concerned because, you know, I loved the original a lot, so I didn't know how this remake was really going to stack up, but it's fantastic. If, you know, anybody out there who has some doubts about the remake, you know, whether or not you think it's worth it, it's absolutely worth it. And yeah, I cannot recommend it enough. Kind of like Travis, my only real complaint is that the difficulty seems, yeah, a, a little bit 
off. There's some fights that are really, really, really tough that first time you try it, but easy is a cakewalk. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Travis, so to give you an idea of where I'm at in the game, okay, I just fought the Hell House. And that's not a spoiler because the Hell House <laughs> was an enemy, you know, in the original game. So anybody who's played the original is familiar with this this enemy. But f- fuck, dude, <laughs> that fight sucked. That one took yeah. me a couple of tries to to get that one down. <laughs> yeah, I eventually gave up. Like, I just kind of cycled back and forth depending on the fight I was in. And I yep. went back to easy mode for that one because, geez, that was tough really well done though like with all the different transitions the house made and that's just a bonkers fight like i always loved that you're fighting a freaking house like i know it's so great and i I love that even in the game they're just like what (laughs) i know there's even somebody that makes a joke about it later they're like okay you're telling me he fought a house (laughs) a house (laughs) you know i thought that was that was really cool but yeah that's I, I'm having a blast with it, and I'm I'm going to be sad when it's over. <laughs> but uh, hopefully they're they, you know, because in the wall market, that's fairly close to when you're you're ready to leave Midgar. And I know that's where this first game ends, but I'm hoping I still yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping like, you know, what's come before. There's a lot of stuff fleshed out because I'm not ready to quit this game yet. I would say that you have. A pretty big chunk of time after that. I can't remember exactly how much I had left at that point, but I think you have to backtrack some, and so that kind of expands things, but you don't unlock many new areas past what you have. You just kind of have to mm-hmm. backtrack through for some some other quests. Yeah. That's about it for what I've been playing. Thank you. So in terms of what I've been playing, I've been playing mostly Rage 2. So I... You know, during COVID, I started Rage back up again, and I decided instead of doing what I was doing before, which was cleaning out all the side areas and, you know, all the little points on the map, I would just follow the main story. And that's been amazing. That was that's been really great. So uh, it happens with open world games where I'm like, let's clear out the open world. And then I just get bored because it's very samey, you know, and in, and in Rage 2, it, they've got a ton of content here, but you should definitely take it in more of a stride. Don't just clear all unless you love doing that. Um, take a little bit of the main story. Take a little bit of the side quests. Uh, it, it, it just makes for better. Anyways, I've been following the main story. And I was having such a good time with that. And then I hit a huge stopping point, which was Chaz Car. Wow, that wasn't as much fun for me. No, um, Chaz no. Car was so hard. Uh, and then I just walked away for the game for about a week. And then I decided, oh, you know, Travis told me this thing that he did. He told me that he plays all the racing in Rage 2 with an Xbox controller. And I was like, oh, OK, well, let's do that. So I plugged in an Xbox controller. I beat Chaz Car the first time. I had the controller plugged in. So I don't know why. And I didn't even have the controls memorized. I just figured it out during the match. But the first time I played Chaz Car with a controller, I beat it. Every time <laughs> on keyboard, I was probably playing it eight times. I, I I lost. I don't know what happened to the translation on keyboard, but in driving, precision driving in Rage 2, which you need to do in Chaz Car to win, sucks. With keyboard and mouse. It's fine for when you're just playing the main game. Because, you know, hitting stuff doesn't matter too much. You can get out and heal your car or whatever. Anyways. 
So I finished with the Chaz car thing and I'm back in the main story and it was a lot of fun. And I got all the way up to the point where I finished all the main three quest branches. And now they're just like, now you can go attack General Cross, basically. So then I realized when I got to the point where I'm attacking General Cross, I'm like, oh, man, there are all these weapons I forgot to get in the game. So I'm going to get the last two weapons, which I think are the two best weapons. There's this like kind of like plasma pulse rifle that I missed. I just got that. And then there's this like BFG, but not BFG 9000, like super laser thing that I did that I need to go get too. And I haven't and I, and I realized that I played the majority of the game without these weapons. And I realized that you don't need them, <laughs> Yeah, um, really which is don't. and it's sad and they're off the beaten path. And you really wouldn't find these if you just play through the main campaigns. You literally wouldn't find these two weapons if you didn't, which I think is kind of cool. But on the other hand, kind of sad. And you don't need them. Right. Really, the only three guns you really need in this game are the shotgun. The um, the gun where you where the bullets stick to people and you can blow, you can burn them up um, and then the rocket launcher. That's really it. You don't really need any other guns, really. I mean, they're nice. The pistol's nice. The machine gun's nice. The BFG 9000 that I got was nice. Uh, I can't even tell you what the other guns are. Yeah, clearly I didn't get the other ones. I just got the pulse rifle. But you don't need all those other guns, sadly. Um, You just need, you know, because all the special attacks, you know, are so powerful and all that kind of thing. But anyways, having a really good time with Rage 2. I'm going to go get the last weapon. And then I think there are some powers I haven't unlocked yet. So I have to figure out where those are. And then I'll go get those too. And maybe I'll clean out a little bit of things. Travis, so the last level when you go feet General Cross, how, how much time is that? From, you know, taking that on to beating the game. It's like an hour, two hours or something. 30 minutes. Uh, it's been so long. I can't re- really remember. Because um, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, Whenever the third person you and they're like, go kill Cross now, you know, and all yep. that kind of thing. Yeah. And once you go into that, it's kind of a the point of no return where you don't get to go back to the open world until you're done. So I can't remember... Oh, so question for you then. Okay. And then you can, you can answer. So if I beat the game, I can still go back, right? I can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After. Oh, cool. Because it's not like Fallout 3 where you're where you die and then it's over. Right. No, you can you can go back. I think like you. It may be that you can like reload a save, but it knows that you completed it. And so like you, you oh. keep going. I'm okay. not, I'm Is not there sure. any reason to beat it or should I just not beat it? I mean, it's a cool ending, honestly. It's, oh, it's a, no, 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 no. I just mean, like, should I save the, like, okay, cool. So, but if I beat it, I can continue on with the game is what I mean. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, In good. some then, form. I can't remember exactly because I know I beat the game and then I was going in through and cleaning up stuff. I'm not sure if I just went back to a previous save for that. I think it's okay. like a, it, it saves that you completed the ending, but then you can just keep you can like keep playing the ending over and over if you want i think is how it works but i can't remember well i'd love to be able to just keep beating it if i wanted but anyways um anyways you were saying about the game and the ending yeah it's a really cool ending um i loved rage's rage 2's camp it was so over the top and the ending doesn't really disappoint in that way uh you asked about the length i don't think it's it's super long i also don't it's not really short either so like if you've got 20 minutes to play and maybe don't do it yet, but it's not like a four hour slog or anything like that. Great. And, um, it, like I said, the main campaign of rage two is super solid. The side contents are really good. It it's up there with any open world game I played, like 
Far Cry 3 or whatnot, you know, and actually I would say the side contents and stuff are actually a lot less grainy than Far Cry 3. I, I'd say they're actually really good. So Rage 2, I mean, I haven't beat it yet, but I'm having a great time. And if you need a fun shooter, this is really good. Uh, I'm not sure how it stacks up to Doom Eternal, but I plan on playing Doom Eternal someday. But I've had so much fun and playing it again has been really great. So I've been playing two Super Nintendo Classic games. So I'll be playing games with my son watching. He's going to be four next month. And uh, he's been enjoying playing Earthbound. So it's funny because he doesn't really like me coming back to play it too much. And I really have gotten into playing Earthbound with him. And I really do want to finish it. But I'm like, hey, buddy, you want to play Earthbound? He's like, no, I want to play something else. And it's like annoying because you know it would have been nice to you know kind of finish earthbound but he wanted me to start secret of mana so i did wow that was a lot of fun just so fun to to start that up again we're about ready to go into guy's navel and then he didn't want to play it anymore so trying to convince him hey you want to come back and play super (laughs) secret of mana earthbound he's like no i want to play he wants me to play some other game on the super nintendo classic like super ghouls and ghosts which is super not fun uh compared to earthbound or secret of mana so no it is not wow it it's better than the original but sure it's not as much fun um so I, I i was i was at the store and i saw this and i bought it and it was the sega genesis mini and it is not as the unix is maybe not as uh choice as the any other nintendo minis but the game selection is fantastic the emulation is fantastic the hardware is fantastic i love that you plug in the sega genesis controllers and their usb controllers that is amazing i love that you could put this into your pc um so here's so the one downside is i don't have a lot of under knowledge of this system i didn't have a sega right i wasn't travis when i grew up right so I only know a couple games. I'm not a huge Sonic fan. One thing I realized in the Sega Genesis Classic is the original Sonic game, I don't really like it very much. I think we should actually review it sometime and I could talk about why. But um, but I did find a game that I really enjoyed in a game, uh, but it's not a game I can play with Finley around, and that's Streets of Rage 2. So as we all know, Streets of Rage 4 is a new game that came out on the Switch, PC, you know, and all the consoles. And it's been getting amazing reviews. Well, Wait, I as we Street's... all know, I didn't know that. That's awesome. I need to check that out. Oh, yeah. It's been blowing up the reviews oh, and everything. Nice. New Streets of Rage. Absolutely. Don't know how so I missed I, that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't talk about it on Cheerful Ghost, I don't think. But um, I mean, I meant to, and then I just kind of forgot to post about it. But um, Streets of Rage 2 is on the Sega Genesis Classic. I never played any of them. But apparently Streets of Rage 2 is one of the best versions. And I played it, and it's incredible. It's so good. It's like... It's maybe a better brawler than Ninja Turtles arcade game. I know that's saying a lot, but it's real, real good. It's a standout on the Sega Genesis Classic so far. It's just amazing. And and, and if Streets of Rage 4 is anything like Streets of Rage 2, uh, it's just you need to buy it. And it's great because it's the first time I've ever played it. I'm, I'm not I don't have any nostalgia for this game, and I think it's fantastic. Um, so if you just want. To try Streets of Rage 2, <laughs> you get the Sega Genesis Mini cheap. Just get it for that. It's real good. Um, another game I got is a lot of my friends have been asking me, hey, John, 
Do you have Animal Crossing New Horizon on the Switch yet? Hey, John, did you have Animal Crossing yet? Hey, John, can I come to your Animal Crossing? <laughs> For the longest time, I've said, no, guys, I've never played an Animal Crossing game, and I have it on the 3DS. I have New Leaf, and I'll probably play that one, not the new one. And everyone's like, John, you have an Animal Crossing? Whatever. So I've so my wife was like, hey, do we have Animal Crossing on Switch? Because some of my friends are asking me if they can come visit our island. And I'm like, my wife is telling me to get a game? Bought it. <laughs> she never says that, you know what I mean? So I got Animal Crossing New Horizon. It's good. It's good. Is it great? I don't think so. Like, it's not great, but it's good. Like, I think my style is more Stardew Valley and that kind of thing. But like Animal Crossing's real good. How far am I in it? Not very far. Um, but is it fun? Yeah, it's real fun. Is it fun to ha- visit my friends? I-, I visit one of my friends islands and holy smokes, have they maxed out everything you could do in the game? There's so much like stock market stuff and he's got you know all this gear and he can he's bought so much stuff and his island is like his kids have houses and his wife has a house and it's 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 fantastic i i give animal crossing kind of low marks for the online thing is not great um and how you have to you know the things you have to do you can't visit someone's town without them being there which kind of makes sense because you don't want to wreck it while they're gone but you can do stuff to make it so you don't wreck their stuff but um, beyond, you know, just the, maybe the online part, not being aces, but good, but, but really good. Um, it's a good game. I can see why this game has taken the world by storm and it's meme because we need sweet games of goodness and games where you can, you know, everything's great and you have fun with your friends and it's not this writhing dystopia of pain that we live in (laughs) so i think animal crossing new horizon hit at a time where no one's leaving and people need a slice of good wholesome fun and animal crossing new horizon is good wholesome fun and that sounds like a dig on it but it's not we need more of that right now you know um and it's great i heard a theory that nintendo engineered the coronavirus to get keep people home (laughs) so they could play animal crossing well (laughs) apparently the switch is sold out this game was sold out I could not get the game cart without buying it on Target's uh, website. They weren't even selling it at stores that I can find. Every like this game is like get the game cart is out of stock. Weird. Like when's that happen? You know. Uh, I guess with the Final Fantasy remake, like you said too. Um, so also, um, I was a big Hearthstone player. Um, one of my friends, you know, played with me, and we recently got together for hanging out one night. Um, talked on the phone and we did a Hearthstone draft. Uh, we basically just said, Hey, um, let's make a deck right now in the moment and we'll pick, you know, and we'll allow us to use all of our cards in wild. And I will just come up with the rules in the spot for the deck and we'll draft the deck right then. And then we'll play the deck, you know, best of three. And that was so much fun. Um, just a lot of fun to do that. Um, also huge game, a huge game update Terraria 1.4 hit journey's end i tried it for a few hours one night and like chef's kiss everybody this is the perfect ending to one of the greatest games of all time they've updated the graphics they've updated all the mechanics they've rebalanced the game and you can even tell that that's true just a few hours into playing it there's so many different modes right now I didn't go very deep, but when I do, it's going to be incredible for hardcore Terraria players. This is so incredible. 
So much so, I don't know how Terraria 2 is going to do. Like, what are they going to do? You know, is it in space now? Maybe. Yeah, I, I haven't played it yet, but I've been kind of reading progress and watching some videos. And honestly, it feels like with the exception of it looking basically the same with, you know, they tweak some sprites, but it really feels like a sequel. Like they put so much work into 1.4 with all these new systems and new modes of play that, yeah, I agree with you. I don't know what Terraria 2 could really bring that isn't already kind of perfect right now. I, I, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of Starbound, you know, um, maybe they just do Terraria in space. And if they did that, it would be better than Starbound, in my opinion. So uh, I'm not knocking it. I just you just had a bad taste in my mouth from the beta and all that. So I, uh, good job, developers. You know, like if you make a bajillion dollars with your video game, this is how you should treat it. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you know, um, why not give it the greatest send out? of any game of all time. So Terraria 1.4, and that's what I've been playing. Okay, so we're going to get into what we've been watching. Tim, hit us what you've been watching. All right, so uh, what I've been watching is uh, my wife and I, we've been going through a lot of movies. We felt like watching, you know, um, a lot of movies rather than you know, the series and stuff like that, or TV shows that we've been watching. Uh, so let's see here. Some stuff that we've watched recently is uh, Joker came to HBO Go, and so we watched Joker on there. And wow, that was, that was a, it was a good movie, but it was also kind of hard to watch. And I'm really glad I yeah. saw it, but I'm not going to be rushing to go see it again. <laughs> and I absolutely understand why it was, you know, um, you know, in the running for so many Oscars and wow. Yeah, it was, that was a, that movie was a trip, <laughs> but, um, yeah, don't, don't know if I'm going to rush to see it again. Uh, we also watched some, some older movies. We watched, uh, twins with, uh, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I almost hit play on that yesterday. I love that movie. It's been ages since I've seen it. It, yeah, it's been a really long time since I watched it, and we had a lot of fun with that one. And then uh, we, we felt like another Danny DeVito movie, so we watched um, uh, Romancing the Stone, and then we followed that one up with so uh, Jewel of the good. Nile. <laughs> oh, so good. Those yeah. movies are great. So that was those were another really fun ones. Uh, we also watched a couple Han, or not, not Han Solo movies, um, Harrison Ford movies. Um, <laughs> He's on solo. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we watched uh, Air Force One and uh, Clear and Present Danger. <laughs> so those were both really good. Outside of that, uh, the only really thing I've been watching is uh, with my kids. We finished up DuckTales on Disney Plus. So we watched uh, both seasons of that. And now we've jumped back over to uh, finishing up She-Ra. Because the last season of that one just came to Netflix. And both are really great shows. Even if you don't have kids, they're really fun. If you are fans of the originals, the the reboots are great. They're so much better than the originals, actually. Um, She-Ra definitely more so than DuckTales. Because the original DuckTales was pretty good. But the original She-Ra, <laughs> not so great. No. No, I mean, yeah. it was a spinoff of He-Man and 
Like He-Man already and, was pretty rough. I mean, I loved yeah, it to death much, yeah. when I was a kid, but wow, oh, watching it now, but, it was it is so bad. Yeah, no. But New DuckTales is great. New She-Ra is great. Go check them out. Travish. Uh, well, if you've listened back, you know that I've been watching iZombie because my wife and I got on a Rob Thomas kick and we just finished that up. Oh, and the guy from uh, from Matchbox 20. <laughs> yes. 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 That Rob Thomas. By the way, it's not that Rob Thomas. Nope. Not that Rob Thomas, but we forgive you, Tim. <laughs> I, I was misinformed. No, honestly, it makes sense that you would make that. Actually, assumption. in the last episode we talked well, about he, it, he I even said gets it was a cameo that Rob in a Thomas. later episode, and so I was right. like, "Oh, oh crap!" <laughs> right. So, Tim, did you finish the whole series? No, I actually don't remember what season we left off on. We gotcha. uh, we had been watching it on Hulu more or less as it was coming out, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the gap in between seasons, we just kind of kind of got sidetracked watch some other stuff and we've just never really picked it back up yeah that's what happens to us i kind of feel like we should just stop watching anything that's currently running and wait for everything to finish <laughs> before we start it. right but no i zombie finished i don't i won't give you many spoilers on it but it finished really well and for a show that is almost a procedural cop drama with a zombie as the protagonist it went in directions that i could have never expected it to go and uh I mean, you already know that there's kind of a paramilitary zombie crew. So, I mean, there's already yes. some weird shit there. But yeah, like they they f- get into some really interesting kind of political allegories and stuff like that. And um, the last season finished up in 2019, kind of late 2019, I think. So there's some very modern political metaphor about the Trump administration, I think. Um, not just the Trump administration, but like kind of where we are as a people right now in America. But yeah, they did a really good job of making a really bizarre premise work very well and be relevant. Um, we kind of always like to keep a, an hour long drama going and, uh, like a sitcom going, like we rewatch the office once a year. Uh, we, used to like long before like in the dark ages when you had to watch stuff as it aired and couldn't just watch it whenever you wanted uh we would kind of watch scrubs on comedy central whenever it was on and we liked it but we never went back and watched the whole thing so we're doing that now and i gotta say like some of this early 2000s humor does not age very well but it's it's still a really good show, like with the knowledge that some of these episodes just could not be made today. Um, I, I do like the humor and kind of the the whole zany stuff of being inside JD's head. Um, I like it. It's kind of got the mash feel where it's a comedy, but you also kind of deal with some real shit, too. Like mash was hilarious, but also left you feeling sad sometimes because of the state of things and all the stuff they went through. And scrubs does that too. It does a really good job of balancing kind of an emotional gut punch with the humor. And yeah, we're about five seasons into that and, uh, look forward to seeing where that goes. But we've also been watching a ton of movies and I'm not going to like 
go through all of them, but I want to say that I am just absolutely astounded at how good Shazam was. The new new ish DC movie. We yep, only just really now good. watched very, that. Very, very good. Like two days ago. And like I expected it to be fun, but like they nailed the action and the humor and the heart and kind of bringing things together in a like the, the writing is kind of it feels like almost like you're watching a kid's show sometimes, but the writing is really smart and kind of connecting everything back together and setting up all this stuff that seems unimportant that comes back around. And Zachary Levi as a kid, as an adult, as a superhero is so endearing. Like he is perfect for that role and entirely believable. Yeah, he's great. And the, the villain that they set up, like obviously set up in the first few minutes of the movie played by Mark strong. Oh man. Like he just chews the scenery. Like you would not believe. And he was kind of perfect for that campy role as a supervillain. Uh, going in a different direction. We have never watched drive. So we finally watched that and awesome. Yeah, it is. I mean, we've talked about, the importance of pacing in movies before and how slow isn't necessarily bad if it's done well. And this is a slow paced movie that just really takes the time to sit with characters and let them develop themselves without anything happening to them in a lot of ways. Like it is like, you feel like you are there with them and it is shot beautifully. And it, I don't remember how long it ran, but it felt like it was way shorter than it was, especially to be as slow paced as it was. But I love a good slow paced movie that is like a good slow pace. And this really was. Um, and we also rewatched Mad Max Fury Road. It's been a while since we saw it. And uh, I could probably we might need to watch that like add that to our yearly rotation of things that we watch at least once a year, because it is so good. I feel like the plot could be summarized and you'd know everything important in like five minutes, but the action is so well executed that like just as a spectacle, it's worth watching over and over again. And like, I noticed little things that it, little details in these insane vehicles that I missed through on the first and second time watching it. And yeah, this was kind of, us if this was the last mad max movie we ever got it would be a perfect swan song but i really hope it's not i know there's a furiosa movie in development hell right yeah now. they're working on the prequel right now yeah. actually it, it seems like it's moving along quite a bit actually oh really i heard like last i heard yeah. it was kind of slowing down i hope i'm glad mm-hmm. they picked it back up mm-hmm. yep uh yes they are they're moving forward with it. okay question for you travis about yes, this did yes. you watch it in 4k or was it the blu-ray copy um it was it was 4k. Yeah. We rented it on iTunes and it was 4k. Nice. How did that look? Cause I've heard the 4k copy is fantastic. Gorgeous. Like so good. Um, uh, we kind of debated, like we had the, the, um, 1080p version then kind of debated on whether to just watch that or rent it in 4k, but we had never seen it in 4k. So we decided to pop the four bucks on that to check it out. And wow, it is so nice in 4k. Hmm. Incredible. If you if you ever do get that 4K TV you were talking about in our uh, Rise of Skywalker review episode, you should definitely get that movie. That sounds really good. Thanks, Travis. So in terms of what I've been watching, uh, the first thing that I've been watching is something that I've been reading. 
recently, the Humble uh, Bundle folks had a Walking Dead comic bundle. I didn't know this at the time, but I was just like, oh, that's they're selling. I've got I've got uh, a compendiums one through three. Uh, and I was like, oh, they're selling comics that I don't have from The Walking Dead. So I'm like, oh, great. I just add the ones I don't have. Uh, the one thing I found out after I bought it was that The Walking Dead comics actually ended in 2019, which is surprising to me because they said, yeah, this is comics. It's never going to end. But apparently they always thought that it would, but they'd want it to be a surprise. So they said that it wouldn't end, which makes sense. You know, got to keep it surprising by saying it will never end. And then you end it and be like, surprise. <laughs> That's cool. So um, I bought all of them. And one of the cool things about uh, Humble Bundle uh, comic bundles is that they're DRM free. So you've got incredible ability to download the PDF or the CBR or the blabbity blib or the whatever format you want. So I downloaded a couple formats. Uh, most notably, they've got PDF, but then they have high res PDF or extra res PDF. And um, they're really big files. And I blow it up on my main screen. And it, they're just they look incredible. They're so beautiful. So. Since we're in COVID-19 and we're already living through a dystopian hell, I decided, hey, let's re-read all the Walking Dead comic books, okay? Um, start at the beginning, go all the way through. I've, 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 I've read everything I have at least twice already, all the compendiums at least twice. So I was like, let's do it again. It's been a while. I love it. So I started uh, reading them on my amazing uh, MacBook Pro with the sweet Retina screen. I turned the bright up. Um, I, you know, was listening to classical music as I was watching them. An amazing pairing, by the way. Reading the uh, Walking Dead comic series, listening to classical music is a perfect pairing as far as I'm concerned. And it was incredible. Um, Just, you know, I'd go to bed. I would hang out in bed with my laptop and read the read the comics until it was way too late. And I had so much fun. Oh my gosh. I, this is like my favorite comic books of all time. Um, they're so good. In fact, so much. I love these comics. That I tried the TV show and I couldn't actually do it. Um, because they just, I, I'm not usually a purist in that sense, but, uh, in this sense, I, I just can't do the show. I just don't think it's quite on the same level as the comics, but, um, and then I was, as I was reading through the comics, I'm like, it seems like we're getting to an ending here. And then I'm like, oh, he did it in 2019. And oh, it's the comic bundle has all of them in there. So um, I don't want to spoil people that have, you know, maybe want to read all the comics or if the show's even at the end. Uh, I, I couldn't even say it. I don't really follow the show. I saw like two episodes of it. But um, I will say that the ending was good. But I don't think it was quite at the level that the heights of the comics, you know, went to. Um, you know, there is a, there's a point in the comics where, um, and this happens in the show and it's already happened in the show. So I'm not really spoiling much here, but they go to a, they, they find an abandoned, um, an abandoned prison and they live there and it's a really cool, uh, just, you know, aspect of the comics and how they deal with that. And I never really felt like the ending sort of lives up to these amazing beats in the, in the in the comics, you know, we did a Rise of Skywalker review, uh, TLDR. It, the ending doesn't really live up to the to how awesome you know the journey is, right? It's always the journey is the cool part, not where you end up, right? I think in this instance they did a great job, but it just you know wasn't wasn't maybe as aces as everything else was. That said, um, it was it, it, from a, from another perspective was a really cool ending, and and I and I really appreciated that they did end it. Um, I'm not really sure where they're going to go now. Like there seems to be like, there might be more walking dead universe comics that might be 
coming or something. And that could be really interesting. Um, some of the characters sort of live on in this Harry Potter esque ending, <laughs> not, not totally like Harry Potter, but similar. And, uh, yeah, so had a really great time reading that. I'm going to sort of move pretty quickly through the rest of my list. I watched Castlevania season three at some point in the future. We might do a full review episode about that. Um, Tim, you're right. It was bonkers and I was in for it. It's like Castlevania is now so itself, you know what I mean? Um, and I love it. I'm all about how weird it is now. It's just so bold and fresh and I, I love what it's doing. Uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, um, they had a live show last year um, that ended kind of before COVID started and they just released a riff along online. It was a live thing where they the new cat live cast was riffing on the show that was riffing on a movie. So it's kind of like this riffception where they're riffing on a first season Mystery Science Theater 3000 show. And it was really good. It was really good. Uh, it wasn't perfect, but it was really cool. I, I liked seeing the new cast add jokes in to the old episode. The, 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 they did segments in the middle, host segments that were really fun. And it was great, you know, and then they had an interviews afterwards and, you know, had the had the Netflix cast there who's talking to the live show cast. And it was great. I'm really, really curious what's happening with Mystery Science Theater 3000. Netflix canceled them after season two. It's the live show's over. They did the riff along. I don't know what's next. Like, is it going to be on another streaming service? I really don't know. It would be a shame if the series goes away. But Joel has retired now. So who knows what's going to happen? I don't know. But I hope Mystery Science Theater lives on in some form until the end of time, because I love that show so much. So Amazon Prime had Rambo Last Blood uh, real good. Um, There are two cuts of this movie, one where he starts off riding a horse and saving people in a flood and the one that's on Amazon Prime. Um, The one that's on Amazon Prime, you should watch because the one where he's saving people in a flood and a horse that cut is so bad, I stopped watching it um, in the first five minutes. It's just terrible. But this Amazon Prime cut Um, I liked a lot better. Um, It starts it out a lot slower and it's uh, it's really good. Uh, One of the critiques of this movie is that it's gratuitous and has a lot of violence and gore and a lot of just shocking stuff for little reason. Well, yeah, that's probably true, Um, but it's a Rambo movie. You know what you're getting into when you're watching this. I don't know what you expected. Peace, love and stuff that makes sense and isn't gratuitous. I don't know. Um, Rambo's back and Revenge Baby. And it's it was a cool movie. I liked it. Um, Friday the 13th. I've never actually seen it in my life before, which is weird. Wow. Like, shouldn't yeah. everyone have seen Friday the 13th? Right. I haven't. So I grew up with yes. parents that were really strict around horror movies. Right. Uh, and I saw it. It's on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime and you haven't seen Friday the 13th, watch it. So I went back and I and I, and I tried to find some of the reviews of this movie. At the time, they didn't really praise the film. Uh, And I get why, because I wouldn't critique the movie in the way they did. But back then, seeing someone's throat get slit in a graphical and real way was really shocking to people. And this movie does that. Um, That said, this movie has been parodied to death. You guys, you know how you watch slasher movies and someone's parodying and they go like, you know what I mean? That's that's what this movie is. It's from this movie. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny to watch this movie now because It's parodied so much, and I didn't know where all these parody stuff things came from until I saw it. And I'm like, oh, that's the movie it's from. That's cool. Um, You know, and a lot of modern horror movies borrow it. 
And then you can see that other movies did it better, though, I would argue, like Scream, Saw and Evil Dead, although you could argue that Evil Dead only came out a year later. So it's arguable that Evil Dead was even influenced by it. Probably, probably wasn't. But um, it's a good movie. Um, I would say that my critique of the movie is the movie is rushing really fast to get to to get like these um, camp counselors clothes off (laughs) and and act all sexy and play like strip games and stuff like that's clearly like the movie is like it's just it's it's just kind of like working in that area. So yeah, I I don't know. I guess horror. They were all like that back then. Yeah, it's exactly. They're just trying to get girls' boobies on film. You know what I mean? That's that. That would be my only critique. It's like it's just so all about that. Um, but but I don't think it's to its detriment. It just seems somewhat, somewhat dated uh, by by comparison. But uh, but I don't know. It's fun, and it, it, I think Amazon Prime has like Friday the Thirteenth Part One through a million uh, for free. So if you've got it, watch it. Another movie I saw on Netflix was the Hateful Eight extended version. This is the movie that Quentin Tarantino cut for Netflix like a four episode mini series. Um, there's extra footage in this. That's why I watched it. And it's real good. If you liked hateful eight or you like Quentin Tarantino movies and you haven't seen this one, um, watch it. It's perfect because it's not long, uh, because you could just watch it in four episode chunks and it's fantastic. It's probably his most bloody movie I've seen. And it's great. I love seeing this version. I've got the the version on Blu-ray. I think this is really good. I'm glad they released this version on Netflix. Also, um, something fun. I watched a comedy special. I love everything by Patton Oswalt on Netflix. I really want to um, see that. Yeah, it's 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 joyful. We need more joy, right? Everything I'm talking about is like slasher movies, Rambo, Mystery Science Theater 3000 was a lot of fun. But I love everything by Patton Oswalt is a lot of fun. Like he comes to a point where he talks about Trump and he just is like, it's I don't I don't want to do it, but it's not it doesn't go in a direction you think it's going to go. Um, it's 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 just it's joy. It's great. Patton Oswalt is a lot of fun. Have fun with him. Is it the funniest thing I've ever seen? No, but it's real fun and it's just great. I just I, I had so much fun watching it and that's on Netflix. And that's what I've been watching. Hey everyone, Travis here. Thanks for listening to this episode, and we hope you love what you hear. In addition to this podcast, John and I run Cheerful Ghost, where you can talk about all the games and other nerdy stuff you love. We also created Tale of the White Wyvern, which is a retro-inspired sword and magic mini-MMO you can play with your friends. If you're a fan of Cheerful Ghost Radio, we hope you've also checked out Cheerful Ghost and like what we're doing there. And if you haven't played Tale of the White Wyvern, head over to thewhitewyvern.com and give it a shot. It's entirely free to make an account and play. Cheerful Ghost is a totally independent community and dev team, and we would love any support you can give us. If you head over to Cheerful Ghost and hit the heart at the top, we have a few different support options to choose from. If you want to tip us for the work we do, you can give us a donation through PayPal. Or, if you want to do a bit more, you can buy a yearly membership or subscribe monthly through Patreon. A membership gives you some neat perks on Cheerful Ghost, as well as member-only themes and cosmetic weapons, armor, and hats in Tale of the White Wyvern. Also, if you want to literally wear your support for us on your sleeve, we have a shop where you can buy t-shirts and mugs for Tale of the White Wyvern. We have a few colors to choose from, including the deepest purple you've ever seen. Thank you for your support, we hope you love what we do, and we look forward to bringing you fun content and games for years to come.
Okay, everyone. So, um, it's good to look 10 years back to help gauge where things might be going in the next 10 years in gaming. It's another thing we're going to talk about a little bit later is where we see games heading in 10 years. So I think, again, like I said, it's good to go back in time and see where we were 10 years ago. So let's look back really quickly at some of the games in 10 years. And also this discussion is going to be about tech and gaming put together because they're all <laughs> really related. Uh, you can't have games without the tech that runs them, obviously. So uh, video games that came out kind of in the 2010, 2010s era or 2010 self, you had Bioshock 2, Fallout New Vegas, Street Fighter 4, Red Dead Redemption, Super Mario Galaxy 2, Amnesia, The Dark Descent, Pokemon Black and White, Civilization 5, Just Dance 2, Super Meat Boy, Rockman 3, The Sims 3, Call of Duty Black Ops, Rage Mutant Bash TV on iOS, Donkey Kong Country Returns, Gran Turismo 5, Epic Mickey, World of Warcraft, colon, Cataclysm, not Cataclysm in your colon, Infinity Blade on the iOS, Halo Reach, and StarCraft II, Wings of Liberty. Also, we're talking about the generation that this was. This was the X, this was firmly the Xbox 360, PS3, and Wii, Nintendo DS, and PSP era. Remember that? Nintendo DS and PSP, guys, remember that? Uh, lots of homes had faster internet, but many folks were on DSL that used existing phone lines, meaning that they weren't very fast at all. Some people were still on dial-up, so... You know, you weren't streaming anything very fast on that. Many people still use dial up. Smartphones were gaining popularity, but they weren't ubiquitous. You had you had flip phones. You had you had those flip phones here. Uh, computing happenings in 2010. Yet Apple released its first iPad that year, along with the iPhone 4, just to sort of ground you in iPhone years. The most uh, most wireless routers were G routers, which meant slow wireless okay but hey your internet wasn't real fast so like do you care no <laughs> uh, no g but, felt and, fast back then because like we were used to b before that which was even worse yeah, was, like g was and great. a which was terrible absolutely <laughs> but file transfers no you're wired, wired, wired for that um n and dual band n were coming out that existed but they were expensive and what hardware supported that right uh, let's talk about gaming pc hardware in 2009 uh for $2,700, which for now you can get some crazy computing for that, uh, you had a 3 gigahertz dual core machine, a GeForce 9800 dual SLI. So that was, you know, 4 gigs of RAM, two 300 gig, 10,000 RPM drives, and a Blu-ray drive. <laughs> wow. Okay. That was 2700 bucks. Okay. Uh, you can get a $500 laptop that kicks that's ass, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, um, what just as a, as a, it's like a high level, Travis, uh, Travis, what were your thoughts of this era in gaming and computing 10 years ago? You, you remember this time? It's depressing hearing you rattle off all that stuff and imagining that it was 10 years ago. I am feeling the cold grip of death on me right now because of like how old <laughs> I feel, but, but no man, like that was a great era for gaming. Uh, like some of that stuff you were talking about the first red dead redemption, super Mario galaxy two, um, that, that stuff was all coming out the same year. And that was a really good year. I remember loving the shit out of those games. Uh, fallout new Vegas, man, I can't believe that's been 10 years, but yeah, I, I think I've said before that I feel like the Xbox 360 and PS3 generation was where gaming kind of hit a, 
a bit of a peak isn't the right word for it, but like, I feel like it's hit, it hit the point where I don't feel like iterations in hardware are going to change gameplay to a significant point. Like it'll help with frame rates. It'll make things look shinier. And I guess physics can play a point, a part in that when hardware can, can handle that better. But I really feel like a lot of the stuff we're playing now feels like stuff we were playing then just with a better frame rate and shinier. And I, again, I can't believe that was 10 years ago. This stuff was amazing. This was, I remember, I guess I had my first smartphone through work at about this time. It was a really, really bad Android. Um, kind of soured me on Android, even though I got better Android phones from work over the years. Like I, that kind of made me solidified into the iOS realm because I hated Android back then. But yeah, yeah, this man, this was a real trip down memory lanes. Thank you for that, John. (laughs) But I can remember really loving so much about this era. And I feel like it was maybe the peak of when I, was kind of hanging on every game informer to see what new, what was coming out next because everything was so good. I feel like, I don't know, maybe it was me at the time, but I was loving gaming really hard back then. Thank you, Travis, Tim. I don't know, man, 10 years ago, that can't possibly be, you know, 10 years ago was like the nineties, right? Right. Right. God, I'm, I'm so old. Um, yeah, so during this period in gaming, let's see, what was I really into? Uh, the Fallout games, Fallout 3, Fallout 4. Or actually, wait, when did Fallout 4 come out? Was that still? A couple yeah, years ago. Still, yeah. Just Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, yeah. so Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, uh, being thoroughly disappointed with the Final Fantasy games available at the time. Um, the Wii was probably, let's see, by this point, it was probably at its peak about, you know, so a lot of, um, lot of hours about sunk mid, in Mario Kart. I'd say it's about mid, I'd say it was about mid because you had Galaxy 2, but it was mid to end because Epic Mickey yeah. came out, you know, when it was like, you know, doing really well. So, Yeah. Yeah, so at this point, you know, would have clocked in a lot of hours into Mario Kart on the Wii, uh, a lot of hours on the Smash Brothers from that era, a lot of the sort of like party games, you know, with people, because that's where the Wii really, really shined, was multiplayer games with people in your house, you know, hanging out. Tim, (laughs) one more thing. Remember when that was a thing? I, I do. I do remember that. And one more thing, too. This was this was also the generation where people discarded their old CRT TVs in, in favor of widescreen yeah. HD. So that was this was the transition between tube TV, analog TV to full digital television on widescreen HD. Yeah, I remember getting my first uh, big flat screen TV and I got the PlayStation three and I hooked it up to it you know, uh, and loaded up Final Fantasy 13, because even though I didn't really like the game, I knew the the opening cinematic was <laughs> was beautiful. And so I was just like, loaded that up, let it run. It was just just admired it. 
Yeah, I, I have a lot of the same, same thoughts as you. For me, this era was in my mind. And even at the time, I was thinking everything, all of my media and everything needs. I'm moving from analog to digital. So I realized that, you know, VHS was out. I needed to get, you know, DVDs and I needed to. Uh, and I was really focusing like on being like, well, cassette tapes or, you know, let's make sure all my music is digital. And th- around this time, I got a Mac mini for my television because I was like realizing that we were like we, we weren't doing much broadcast TV anymore. Like Hulu was free. We we're streaming YouTube. Netflix was a new thing. You know, I remember getting the Netflix streaming disc for the Wii and the PlayStation 3. Remember when before <laughs> remember it was an that, app, yeah. right? Yeah, I have those discs still, by the way. And you put the disc in the drive and you would stream Netflix. And it was awesome. And we wanted I wanted to move everything over to digital. And I was, you know, removing all my analog, you know, gear. And, you know, later in life, you know, a couple of years, you know, I started getting back into, you know, analog stuff. But um, that was the transition for me. And also the biggest thing, probably another big thing, too, in tech this was I got a cell phone because I was a huge, you know, remember when people would say this? Do you remember when old people would say this? I don't need a cell phone. I don't want people to contact me whenever they want. <laughs> yeah. Why do I want why do I want a leash on? I was one of those people. I was like, I don't need to text anyone. That sounds ridiculous. Why would I need that? Where the thought of anybody being able to call you at any time sounded right. awful. It sounded <laughs> awful. It's like, I don't want to be bogged down with this leash stuff. Yeah. And then apparently and now yeah. everyone never wants anything other than that right <laughs> you don't have your cell phone well, I, I will you, say this much uh i you know i still prefer people to just text me I, i'm not a talk on the phone kind of guy if i can avoid oh, yeah, it so yeah 100 percent. shoot me a text please uh i i agree with you but that's not what we were thinking <laughs> you know what i mean that's not what <laughs> no. we were thinking right right uh so i i got one i got a flip phone um so you're saying like 2010 is when you first got a cell phone when people were transitioning to smartphones Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I probably, I would say a year earlier, I got a flip phone, but my first phone smartphone I got was an iPhone 4S. Same in terms of personal, like bought for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Uh Yeah. And I'm glad I waited because it was a killer and it's still a killer phone. Um, And then I got 6S, which was a killer phone. But anyways, we can talk about that later. But, but I would say like for me, this was the era of, like you say, Travis, extremely great graphics, but jet engines, you know, everything was loud. Oh, um, yes. The PlayStation yes. 3 was so hot, um, but it was incredible. Like you download an amazing demo and you're right. Everything that came out was great because I think we were we weren't quite hitting the peak of indie. Right. Right. Amnesia, the Dark Descent was out. We had Super Meat Boy and stuff like that. But like we hadn't hit peak indie. So. Pretty much you were getting like most games were triple A and then with a handful of indie games. Right. So you really knew everything that was coming out. Unlike now, which you don't, <laughs> you know what? 20 <laughs> percent of the games is coming out. Right. It's too many games like back then. It wasn't too many games. I think that's where 10 years later, more games like come out in a year that you could play in your whole lifetime. Right. So. Um, unless more games come out in a month than you can even keep up with. I'm sure. Like, yeah, Jesus, yeah exactly. It's, it's right. insane. It's great. Yeah, right. I mean, we're living in this era where you can buy like, like 
there is a game out there that is exactly what you need at this very moment. You just have to find it. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. I think maybe there was a hundred games on steam at the time. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Wow. There weren't a lot. Um, and that kind of thing. Digital stores weren't, you know, chalk to the hilt of, of games and stuff, which is good. It's great. It's great having choices and all that kind of thing. So, so, you know, and this was the era that Blu-ray, you know, came out. So amazing HD video was coming out. Um, streaming was starting and all that kind of thing. Uh, a lot of stuff, uh, internet speeds blew up. So that's kind of my thoughts of that era of gaming and computing in general. I, I, this is when the era that I started getting back as to being a gamer. Um, I think the play, the, the PlayStation three and the Wii, um, made me a gamer again, you know? Um, and then Starcraft two made me a PC gamer again, <laughs> which is great, which is really, really great. So, um, is there a huge difference? And you guys have alluded this a little bit between 2010 and where we are now. I mean, in your mind, it sounded like for you guys, it sounded like there wasn't, but if, if we think about it, there probably were really big differences. Travis, like what are the biggest changes from 10 years ago to now for you? So 10 years ago, I thinking about where, where we were and we probably had three, four four devices hooked up in our house that were connected to the internet. And right now I don't even know if I could come up with a count quickly without walking around to count everything because we're in the internet of things era in which I've got like seven or eight things hooked up to my TV right now that are connected to the internet, like the Apple TV (laughs) and like everything has a device tailor built for it. Everything is streaming to us now we have so many streaming services like cable is i was talking about earlier in the dark ages before you could pick whatever you wanted to watch we watched scrubs whenever it came on and that's kind of what this was back then in 2010 we were probably sitting on the couch after dinner and watching scrubs because it there was, was no Comedy notion Central. of binging either the right. whole idea of binging a show was right a thing. exactly and um yeah, I think it's mostly just the availability that's different because of streaming and like faster download speeds. But yeah, everything's just faster now. I think that's the the big difference that's enabled so much else to change. Tim, for you, what's the biggest difference between 2010 and where we are right now? Oh, man. Uh, well, for me, a lot of personal stuff, um, 10 years ago, my second child would have just been born. (laughs) Um, no, she'd have been a couple months old by this point. Uh, let's see here. Had quite bought my first condo, which, you know, was a stepping stone to buying a house. So for me, there was a lot of personal stuff. This was actually kind of a a hole in my gaming career because of becoming a a new parent i did not get to play nearly as much as i would have liked (laughs) so gaming wise that's that's probably the the big standout for me you know for that particular period of my life um it's definitely turned around in later years and i play a lot more play a lot more now because they're they're older and they have set bedtimes and they don't wake up a lot in the middle of the night <laughs> uh let's see here the the internet speeds 
is nice. I don't miss that. I love having my streaming services and I don't have to pay for cable and DVR things. <laughs> I, I remember the days of TiVo before like your cable box came with a, uh, a built in DVR. So you had to like get the TiVo to record shows. That was that was a thing. Glad we don't got to do that anymore. Um, I do kind of miss being able to own physical copies of everything. I try to do that as much as I can now. But, you know, I have a huge Steam catalog and I don't own any of those physical games. Now, I, I'm not yeah. scared that Steam's going to go away anytime soon. But, you know, at some point, I'm probably going to lose access to that. Yeah, you know, they've said that if they ever go under, they'll provide some way to access them. But like, yeah, realistically, I long? have <laughs> like 4,000, 5,000 games on Steam. And what the hell am I going to do with all of those before they yeah. go under? Like, what storage medium do I have that can hold all of that? That's that's not really feasible. So I guess some doomsday scenario where we lose access to Steam will be like a really dark day for us. <laughs> There'll be news reports about the death of gaming's history, you know? <laughs> yeah, they, they make a lot of money for now. Hopefully that keeps Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen anytime weeks. soon. Yeah, just the bandwidth cap to download all that stuff would oh, uh, man, murder yeah. you. Uh, so for me, I think the biggest... Uh, so going back in time 10 years, we sort of... I, I've forgotten, so I've been trying to remember. One of the things that happened 10 years ago... That was a big deal was this notion of DRM and, and 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 a lot of people were talking about digital rights management and stuff like that, because at the time, tech companies thought that locking you, you down was the best way to get you to consume and buy stuff. Right. So they were focused on systems that would shut you out of using things. And now it's totally different. They want you using it on everything. So back then they were restricting what you could do with what you bought. And now they're building clients for it to run on everything from your fridge to your car. I crap you not like Tesla. You can play games and every stream shows and they want it everywhere, everywhere. Like back 10 years ago, you couldn't stream movies to your phone. You, you played it on your computer if you're buying a digital file and not much else. And then they'd lock you out of it. Right. So DRM was a really big deal because we wanted stuff to work everywhere and companies didn't want that. And I think that's a really big change now. Um, yeah, it's it, it would be unheard of to, to, to buy a TV and not have a thousand apps on it. Right. <laughs> but back then you bought a TV and you played, you know, DVDs on it. And that, that's really about all, you know, and then whatever else you could hook up, but so much more. And, and I think just in general, everything now is so compatible. Back then you put a PC file on a Mac or a Mac file on a PC, whatever. It just stuff didn't work like it was encoded weird. It didn't act right. Browsers were strange. Like you literally couldn't drag a file from your desktop into your browser and just have it upload. Like that's that's like happened in the last 10 years. It seems weird. The drag and drop file uploads were not a thing, <laughs> but they're a thing now. Um, also, like we didn't have this notion of, you know, you have a million subscriptions to things. Now we have a million subscriptions to music service and movie service and uh, clothing service. I'm not even kidding. And sending like, f you know, recipes and food and buying things online. He didn't buy things online 10 years ago, maybe like a couple. But now you buy everything online. And in the next 10 years, you're going to buy everything online. Right. We didn't have 10 years ago. We didn't have like uh 
you know, Uber, you know, that that's totally new because everyone has a smartphone. Now you can do stuff like that. So I don't mean to play, play old man here, but like everything works so much better together now. And, and, and one thing that you guys talk about that I think really is undersold is like Wi-Fi, like in your house is not shitty now. Like you can buy a not shitty router that looks like it's a spider spaceship and it's amazing. Wi-Fi oh, yeah. used to suck yes. real bad, like really, really bad. Like if you were one room over, the latency and packet drop was terrible. But oh, yeah, yeah, and it just sure. wouldn't work. Now, now there are a zillion companies that are like, put these little things all over your house and mm-hmm. your Wi-Fi will never drop. And like, it's so good now. It's so good. Uh, Wi-Fi used to be terrible. Now, I'm sorry if you have shitty Wi-Fi or an apartment and a million people are fighting you for Wi-Fi. I'm sorry. But like that, there's some things that you, you know, maybe you can't overcome on that, but it's really, really, really good. Um, they're internet caps, but they're not as restrictive as they used to be. Um, and that kind of thing. And I think, I think it's just, um, Wi-Fi is incredible. Um, everything is so much more compatible than it was. You can get almost anything to work on anything you buy now. Um, it doesn't even really matter what you're running anymore. Um, almost everything works everywhere. It's fantastic. And I think those are the biggest differences. I really do. Because like Travis said, PlayStation three game, PlayStation four game. Well, frames per second is way better on the PS4 and it looks a little bit better, but really it's the same kind of HD stuff. You know what I mean? Um, and also we've got VR now and that's a really big difference too. Uh, we didn't have VR 10 years ago. All right, everyone, we got a crystal ball. We're shaking it up. We're looking 10 years into the future. Tim, where yes. do we think tech and as an extension gaming will be in 10 years? 2030. I will be 50. Tim. OK, what games so, are we playing when I'm 50? I'm looking into my crystal ball here. Yeah. And I'm not seeing so much a like what games we're playing as I'm seeing that. Uh, video like movies based on video games are going to be what movies based on superheroes are now, meaning they're just going to be everywhere. And Hollywood I is going to be right. mining video games for movie content like mad. So the Sonic movie just caused everyone to mine the video game. Movies. I would say Detective Pikachu had more to do with that than this yeah, okay, uh, Sonic right. movie, but sure. <laughs> All right, uh, dusting off the crystal ball here, getting a new vision. I'm seeing a lot more people wearing VR headsets. Uh, VR is starting to really take hold as processing power gets cheaper and smaller and easier to you know fit in. You're going to see more standalone VR headsets that don't require any kind of a hookup to anything else. They're just going to be you know their own standalone units. And it's really going to take off. And I'm seeing that I will no longer be getting motion sick while playing. So that's that's good news for me. (laughs) Let's hope that one. Let's hope that one comes true. Yes. Travis, where do we think tech and as an extension gaming will be in 10 years? Yeah, I'm looking into my crystal ball and I'm seeing two competing visions. Uh, One of those visions is like Tim said, where VR is everywhere and it's it kind of grown up from where it is now into being like this really full featured and uh, amazing 
way to play video games. And in another sense, it's the the competing vision is that it just kind of fizzled out like the 3D TV phase, which and we, we talked about 10 years ago what tech was going on and we kind of didn't talk about 3d and we haven't talked about 3d in the present because it came and went in that intervening 10 years. And I'm not sure which way VR is going to go. I'm not sure if it's going to be seen as kind of a fad and eventually fizzle out or if it's going to really take over. I think valve has shown that like from everything that I've read about half-life Alex, I think valve has shown that you can really do some solid important gameplay with 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 vr and i'm hoping that that kind of keeps it going and it becomes a more respected and targeted environment and the tech gets cheaper and like has a better entry level because honestly the the psvr is great for what it is but it's very restrictive in the sense that it's I feel like the motion sickness is amped up with the PSVR because of the lack of resolution. I think that does play a big part of it. Yeah, I, I think if I was playing Skyrim VR on a really high-end PC with uh, the new Valve VR headset, then I probably wouldn't have as much motion sickness as I get from trying to play it on my PS4. But um, but yeah, I really hope that VR takes off and becomes more accessible because I, I it, it is just ripe for that kind of gameplay but i was also one of the weirdos that really loved 3d movies and i miss those i wish that my 4k tv still had 3d tech so i could watch those but uh still got it in the bedroom if i really get a hankering for it but i i really hope that that's that i'm that that's the way it goes and not the other way where it just fizzles out but also you guys have both mentioned uh data caps and i think that this whole COVID-19 pandemic and all these ISPs saying, hey, check out how gracious we are. We're going to waive data caps. You don't have to worry about anything. And like I got a text message from U.S. Cellular, like you have no data caps anymore until further notice. I think people are going to see through the bullshit and realize that there's no hit to the network speed from the data caps and stop the bullshit. I I think that if well okay depending on who gets elected in the intervening years <laughs> i was just I gonna say that is gonna he- depend heavily yeah. on what our government looks yeah. like in 10 years <laughs> yeah yeah i think there's gonna be some pushback depending on who gets elected and like hey you guys have been saying for years that this shit impacted your networks and it clearly doesn't because everything's been working fine over covid so i'm i'm really interested to see how COVID just kind of as a broad in a broad sense affects tech because we've seen the push toward working from home and anybody who can work from home should work from home. And we've had companies for years like saying, no, we can't pull that off, but everybody's kind of seeing now that we can. So how's the tech going to change now when people are seeing that works in a way they didn't think it could before? I think that might push tech in an interesting way. Just that's nothing to do with gaming necessarily, but how that might shape the tech when telework is becoming more and more of a a big deal. 
And I don't think that's going to change. I mean, it'll go back to more of a normal, but I really think that companies are going to start letting more people stay home for a while, at least because it's better overall for the health of the, the company. Like if, if, if it cut into the bottom line, they wouldn't give a shit, but it really seems like people are getting their jobs done from home without bringing in germs to people. So why not just let them work from home? But also I think that in 10 years we will have had half-life three. Wow. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm we not just seeing got half-life that one in Alex. Well, <laughs> 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 we just got Half-Life Alex and they've been talking about yeah. other Half-Life games and Half-Life Alex seems to be getting great reviews for the people that played it. So, uh that would be cool, man. Yeah, uh, I mean, I just I, I feel like if there's a prediction episode, I have to predict Half-Life 3, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> All right, so where do I think gaming and extension tech's going to be in 10 years? So, uh game streaming is going to be a normal part of gaming and how we play certain kinds of games. Not all of our games as you know, as you can see, you guys hear us, we love physical media, but we do a lot of game digital game buying. And uh, I believe in 10 years, game streaming will be a normal staple of a gamer's diet. Uh, I think it's going to be limited. I think it's going to be really focused on uh, service stuff. So if you get like you can um, you just basically have a controller and you'd have a streaming uh, game service and you just play it. You wouldn't really have a console. So I think that for certain kinds of gamers that just want to play games and have like a $9.99 a month subscription, they don't have to buy hardware anymore and they'll just play games that they want. Uh, I don't know if Google Stadia is going to own this or Amazon or Microsoft or whatever. Like, I don't really care. But I think that um, some people will just be gaming on whatever their phone, their computer uh, or their uh or their console or their TV, you know, probably they won't even need a console. They'll just be gaming and streaming will be part of it. Uh, there'll be gamers like us, obviously, that have hardware and stuff, but some people won't. And I'll be just a normal part of gaming for them. Um, I also think that everyone's going to in 10 years in uh, 2030, everyone or mostly everyone's going to be wearing some kind of tech glasses. So what I mean is you put on a pair of glasses that basically is like a heads up display for uh it's like a smartphone that you see all the time you always have time up there you have your gps coordinates you have text messages that come in that you can read that go on the screen um so if you look at this one this is exactly where every human wants to go right a long time ago when i was a kid i was 15 feet away from my tv then i was playing video games at 10 feet away and then i i was five feet away or whatever when i was you know, or whatever, three feet or two feet when I was playing on my desktop. And then I got a laptop and I was about one foot away from my computer. And then I got a smartphone and I'm like zero feet. Like it's like right in my face, like I'm making out with it. Um, then glasses are going to come and it's going to be just like they're on you at all times, right? You're always seeing a HUD thing. And then eventually we're going to have a computer human meld where somehow the computers are going to like get into our brains. That scares the shit out of me. But I also remember a world where having a cell phone scared the shit out of me, too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go into like Shadowrunner or whatever or cyberpunk. But uh, I believe in 2030, we're going to be wearing cell phones. Not that we're not going to have cell phones. I think probably the glasses by then will probably still have to pair with your smartphone. But um, I do believe we're going to get that. And it's going to change how we play with games because we're going to have really popular games like Pokemon Go is really popular. But the games that we're going to be playing when you have glasses on 
all the time are going to be augmented reality games. Games are going to be more social. It's going to be like the Wii again. You know what I mean? Um, there, uh, think about augmented reality that everyone has all the time where you can walk down the street and see someone's Minecraft stuff in their front yard or whatnot. Um, I think uh, I think augmented I think these smart glass that you put over your eyes is going to change how we look at the world, just like smartphones change our lives. And I think everyone's going to love it. I think you're going to have some holdouts right away. Obviously, you're going to get people that are into it, but I think everyone's going to love it eventually. Uh, And I think Apple's probably going to be one of the companies that perfects it first. Um, And I I don't say you are not going to like the pop up ads that come with that. Oh, my God. (laughs) Probably not. Um, and it's going to be really interesting because, you know, people will be walking down the street and they'll have metadata that they'll want you to see about them. And you, you could see that if you have that turned on. Right. And I wonder what that would even be. Right. What would even that be? I don't even know. Like your Twitter know. bio. <laughs> yeah. Something. Yeah. Right. What did they tweet or, you know, do you want to know more or whatever? And I think in 10 years we're going to have that. Um, I don't know if so, you're seeing a prediction or just reading off a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> no, it's something I well, it's also something I want too, actually, because I think this would be really cool. I, as someone who always wears glasses, why can't they be better? Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Why not? Right. Um, yeah, I think your I human think- computer meld is going to come sooner than you think, because I have it on good authority that Bill Gates is making this COVID-19 vaccine to yeah. put chips into our brains yes, so that he can right. track us everywhere we go. And I'm. Yeah, right. I think you're you're way off on the human computer meld. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if we're going to move towards a dystopia, you know, even, even more so than we already are, can it at least be a cool dystopia where we have like neat tech and, you know, right. awesome yeah. VR and, you like, know. Yeah, Blade Runner instead of Mad Max, right? Right. Yeah, you'll have your sweet glasses that you can see everyone's heads up display as you're waiting 40 minutes in line for your food rations, right? <laughs> all right, so... um. Uh, in, uh, uh, in 10 years, I still don't have any time to play all the games I want. And my backlog is 10 years more insane. Oh my God. I don't even want to think about my backlog in 10 years. <laughs> Jesus, man. I don't even like thinking wow. about my backlog right. now. I know. I'm just, I feel like that is the most solid prediction I could make. I keep buying games at an unsustainable clip. <laughs> yeah, that's not even a prediction. That's just a straight up guarantee. We are all going to have games from like 2021 that we haven't gotten around to yet. I know. I know. I know. But I, I think in 10 years, I'm still going to love retro games. I don't think that's going to change. Right. I, I think um, that's still going to be a huge staple of my diet. And I, and I really think that, you know, we're going to have there are these times in gaming, too, where um, Nintendo is going to come out with a Nintendo classic again. You know what I mean? Like in 4K or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that we're always going to, you know, people are always going to be playing retro games in some form too. And I know I will. So, um, that's just the retro tech will be HD gear. You know what I mean? 1080p, that kind of thing. Can you even imagine that's retro gear? But, um, it will be, it will be, I already got an iPad, original iPad mini from my mom. Uh, and it feels like retro tech cause it's so slow and it's iOS 9.5 and you can see the pixels on the screen and, uh, the apps are frozen in time and it just feels like retro tech and it's the iPad mini, the first one. And it's not wow. that retro tech, but it already feels like it. So I can't even imagine, you know, retro tech. You know. Oh, wait, hold on. I have one more vision coming through on my crystal ball here. Okay, go ahead. All right. 
I am seeing there's going to be a new console uh, entering the fray. It's not a PlayStation. It's not a Nintendo product. It's not a Microsoft product. It's the Ouya 2, and it's taken the world by storm. <laughs> that that, was, oh, that was cold. That was cold. I forgot about the Ouya. That thing looks so yeah. promising, and then it just, it just went nowhere. Wow. I think everyone at the time wanted an open system, and the Ouya was, and then they got it, and they're like, yeah, I don't care. I think it was like one of those things where people think they want something that they don't want. You know what I mean? They wanted something to play killer games, not an open system that plays, you know, yeah. Because it, it just ended up like all the systems eventually support indie games anyway. So you didn't need yeah, a new channel basically. for that. Right. Yeah. Like I can get Steam this, this Ouya and only play like 50% of the games that I can play on all these other yeah. systems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was a cool system, though. No question about that. I think they ended up selling to Google, actually. I think Google got all the the tech and all that for it. So um, anyways, to wrap things up uh, about our crystal ball looking 10 years in the future, um, Travis, any final words about our crystal ball gazing in 10 years in the future in gaming? Any, And then maybe a, a bonus, like what game would you really want to see come out in 10 years? Go ahead, Travis. So I guess my final thoughts are kind of hopes and dreams. I I really hope that we are at a point where, uh, I mean, I've alluded to it before. I try not to get too political on these shows, but you can kind of tell where I stand. And I really hope that we get to a point where net neutrality is taken off and we have kind of guaranteed access to essential things and the internet speeds and are in a really good spot and we kind of match international other international countries than like South Korea has insanely fast internet speeds compared to us and, uh, and no data caps in sight. And I kind of hope that we get to that point because everything is anything that hasn't gone online yet. Everything's kind of moving toward that. Everything is a very connected society and i really hope that we can get to a point where that's that access is very open and in terms of like a game that i really want to play i mean i kind of already joked half joked about half-life 3 i mean shit i would play the hell out of that game but 10 years from now i at this rate i hope that the elder scrolls 6 is out but i'm not quite sure if that's going to happen (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they've talked they started talking about it yeah. a while ago so hopefully it launches uh tim uh let's see here so we're talking about like a, a particular game we're hoping for sure yeah what do you got all right um let's see here so by then breath of the wild 2 should have been out for you know many years so let's look for uh for some new metroid games <laughs> Let's let's see some of that series come back and maybe maybe in another 10 years uh, they'll finally release the sequel to Earthbound in the U.S. That would be incredible. Um, So if I'm looking, I guess my final thought is we're we're now starting to see videos on the Internet where they're deep fakes, right? So like they're putting actors Mm, that weren't in films in films. And they're and they're fake and stuff, and it's all fun and games and everything. And the deepfake stuff's actually getting pretty good and almost rivaling like what you're seeing CG wise and 
and films. I think a particular future that we could see in 10 years is that anything is faked. You can fake anything. So because right now in time, if you if a video is released of some person doing something or audio is releasing of a person saying something, because it's so hard to fake that stuff right now, we believe it. We believe what we see with our eyes. We believe what we hear. Um, in 10 years, I wonder if we can believe what we see with our eyes and what we hear with our ears. Well, and even if we our, did, someone you did know, have augmented reality glasses. <laughs> Right. Maybe. I don't know if that's going to make it easier or harder. I don't know. Uh, um, we already are dealing with issues now where people don't even believe facts. You know what I mean? I can't. I don't know. I don't know what a world looks like where you don't know what's true and what's not true. I mean, there was already a deep fake Biden video that was spread around. So, like, yeah, people are already believing the deep fakes. So 10 years from now. Oh, man, I don't yeah, even think I of don't, that. I don't even know. Like, how do I know? Right. When bad people are doing things. Right. Like, how, how do you know? I really hope we know. I hope I hope we I hope we invent a world where clarity and truth are easy to spot. But I wonder as we we're humans are questing for better and better entertainment if we're not fucking ourselves in the long run. Right. Yeah. Because we're literally in a culture now where entertainment is so good that it's taken over our political discourse you know, entertainment, like we, 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 we elected a reality TV star. Right. And I wonder if our quest for better and better entertainment is not destroying us as culture. I know this is super dark. I'm sorry. I didn't invent the world. I just looking at it, you know, and I hope so it you're doesn't. Thinking instead hope... of like a shadow run blade runner kind of dystopia, we're moving more towards the Fahrenheit 451 kind of dystopia. Or the dystopia that we're in right now, but 10 years dumber, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I hope I, I, I don't know. And, and then let's end on a really positive note. So in 10 years in the future, the video game I would love to play is, uh, I, I you know, I don't even really know cause everything's so great right now. I really don't know. I, I'm really happy with gaming. I, I honestly, we could stop right now and I'd be good. You know, I, I don't have I have more games I could play anyway. You know what I mean? But uh, I don't know, like Killer Switch 2, maybe <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> like just more of that, I guess. Uh, I, I, I VR is going to be great. So I, there's really nothing I'm looking. I mean, all the games I want to make are the games I want to play like Travis and I might make. So I'm I'm just sort of easy in that way. You know, I don't I don't I don't have too much. In a lot of ways in gaming, I don't really I don't really have a ton of hope for games coming out because it's already so great. You know what I mean? Um, now that I don't have hope, it's just that, you know, there's already a lot of great stuff right now. You know what I mean? Am I super excited about, you know, uh, cyberpunk? No, not really. Uh, I haven't even played The Witcher 3 yet. <laughs> so, you know, like. No, no, I'm good. I'm really, really good. So uh, everything's good. So I, I'm just really looking forward to the future. I know we're going to get a couple new Mario games. That'll be good. You know what I mean? I uh, get a bunch of Zelda games. Um, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if we're ever going to get like a Warcraft three, like another Warcraft real time strategy game from Blizzard and that kind of thing. Um, but by then I'll know how Diablo four has turned out. So hopefully it was really good. Hopefully I liked it a lot. But uh, I don't really have anything specific that I'm looking for, you know, because um, everything is gaming. Gaming is really good right now. Um, yeah. 
So you mentioned if we stopped right now, you'd be okay with that. And if, if we stopped right now in 10 years, would you have gotten through your backlog? No, no, me neither. Me neither. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. (laughs) No, but I'd be, but I'd be pretty far into it. But, but the, the weird thing about being, you know, that much further in your backlog is I come back and play games I've played already. Again, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, like it's like new game playing Rage 2. Then I'm back playing, I don't know, you know, something else, you know, like Starcraft 2. You know what I mean? Then I play a new game and then I come back to play something like play Earthbound or whatever. You know, so for me, it's like, you know, w- one new thing five old things one new thing you know Mm -hmm. so no i'm not done with my backlog in 10 years (laughs) cheerful ghost radio is brought to you by cheerfulghost.com and our theme music is by creo Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show, and thanks for listening.